Welcome to the Celtics Pod. I'm Eric Van and Bosch. All right, we have a big Celtics pod this weekend because uh, we have a Kyrie Irving, Isaiah Thomas trade, which is now on hold. They have hit a snag because uh, Isaiah did his physical exam on Friday, and now Cleveland has concerns about Isaiah's hip. He has yet to be cleared for full-court basketball activities, and ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski reporting that the Cavs plan to seek an additional asset. So after the uh, after the trade, Danny Ainge said the injury played some role in the trade. He said it could be a little bit of a delay when it comes to Isaiah returning from that injury and playing basketball, but he said that Isaiah should be fine and healthy as the season progresses. But Cleveland, they may argue the Celtics undersold them on the scope of Kyrie's injury and how soon he'll be back on the court. But the Celtics say they've been very clear in their assessment of the injury. They say they have communicated that well uh, with Cleveland. And this is, you know, this hip injury thing, it seemed like it was something that was downplayed prior to the trade. Like Isaiah said, he wouldn't have surgery and he was expected back at training camp. And now now look what has happened uh, to the situation. You know, it kind of sounds like Cleveland is, I mean, if Isaiah is going to be fine and healthy as the season progresses, like Danny Ainge said, and Cleveland's trying to, you know, milk the trade and get another asset out of it, uh, then I then if that's what they're doing, uh, that's what they're doing. But if if he really is going to miss significant time, you may feel like they are entitled to an additional asset. So Isaiah decided not to have surgery, but if Cleveland's doctors don't agree and Cleveland's doctors say there has to be a procedure, then, you know, he misses most of, if not all of next season. And then that gives the trade value there or his value is so low at that point, because if he misses most of the season and then he's a free agent, he barely plays for you at all. So then I guess at that point, you would certainly be able to justify asking for an additional asset. But this all hinges on how hurt is he? When is he going to uh, return? How much basketball will he play this season? And, you know, you would assume that Isaiah Thomas, if he needed surgery, he would have had the surgery wanting to be as healthy as possible entering the contract year. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's not like they don't have good doctors in Boston. He came to that decision not to have surgery somehow, but perhaps Cleveland doesn't agree and they want another asset. As speaking of assets, uh, Jason Tatum is someone they could be looking at. And I mean, that's, uh, they've already got a Brooklyn pick. So to throw in Tatum, and a rookie who looks like a real deal prospect, like, you know, the best prospects coming out of the draft going into the NBA, there should be a lot of hype around those guys. And certainly Jason Tatum does. So to give him a Brooklyn pick plus Jason Tatum at this point is asking a little too much. And the Celtics have said they are not willing to include him in a Kyrie deal and Cleveland, of course, expressing interest, obviously. A lot of people suspect that an additional asset could be a draft pick. And if you are Cleveland, you have to be targeting that Lakers-Kings pick because it has the most value of the Celtics' remaining picks. Uh, But the Celtics may not want to give that up because, again, it has a lot of value and they feel like they've already given up so much. You know, they already receive Isaiah Thomas, who's one of the best scorers in the NBA, who I guess may or may not play a huge chunk of the season, may play all of it, and may miss a lot. I don't know. It's so up in the air right now, but if he does play a good chunk of the season 
and you have Jay Crowder who can come in off the bench and help you a lot, and you have a Brooklyn pick, and then you have a, a you know a, a decent young prospect in Ante Zizic. That's already a lot in return for a guy who wasn't coming back for your team anyway. But the first round draft picks, if the Celtics, if this, I think it's a victory for the Celtics if they get out of this without giving up a Lakers Kings pick and they just trade them one of their own or one of the first round picks belonging to the Grizzlies or the Clippers. But the Cavaliers, they can void the deal, but they're going to want to renegotiate because they may be a rebuilding basketball team if I, if uh, LeBron James opts out next summer. And if they're a rebuilding basketball team, they don't want to miss out on this Brooklyn pick because it's uh, certainly something that can help you towards the future. You know, if you're trying to start from scratch, getting lucky in the draft is uh, certainly something that could spark a quick rebuilder or whatever. Uh, but that Brooklyn pick comes in a loaded 2018 draft. There are a ton of good power forwards and centers. And for the Celtics, that obviously is something they would have been interested in, getting one of those big guys in a loaded draft because they lack those big guys. Some people actually call the Brooklyn pick the most valuable asset the Celtics are giving up here considering Isaiah Thomas's hip injury and his upcoming free agency. So Isaiah's stock right now is extremely low. And it's not just in a trade. It's next season going into free agency because in a contract year, he could get off to a slow start because of the injury. And then he has to adjust to playing with LeBron James. So this is not good for Isaiah Thomas uh, if he wants to see the Brinks truck. And we know he wants to see that Brinks truck roll up or back up or whatever. And he felt like he was well on his way to a max contract not that long ago because his value was so high. He was coming off a season in which he scored 29 points per game. He was fifth in MVP voting. He was all NBA second team. So his value was so incredibly high, and now it has just absolutely plummeted. I can't believe uh, the point we find ourselves at right now and how disappointed must Isaiah Thomas have to be? And it's not like this guy's ever had to prove himself in the past before, right? You know, I mean, he would have to prove himself going into this uh, contract year, proving that he's healthy, you know, and that he can stay healthy and that he can still be one of the best scorers in the NBA. And again, it's not like he's ever had to prove himself before, right? It's like this... Guy just gets every obstacle thrown in front of him. You know, he's five foot nine. He's the last player taken in the draft, traded by his first two teams, goes to the Celtics, isn't even a starter. Everyone always doubting him because of his height, and now he has to prove himself all over again. Uh, but the trade itself has to go through because if a deal does not get done, then you have the disgruntled Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder remaining in Boston, and that's just not going to happen. Uh, those two upset. Obviously, Kyrie is not going back to Cleveland, but I feel like if this trade fell apart, you know, Cleveland could just trade Kyrie to a different team. You know, there's been interest there, obviously, a ton. And Phoenix sounds like if Phoenix was at least willing to give up one of their better, younger players, uh, they do have um, some good trade assets in young players right now. Uh, the trade itself, this uh, Isaiah Thomas, uh, Kyrie Irving trade, 
It's good for the Cavs. Helps them stay competitive now with uh, Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder, assuming Thomas is healthy. Also, they can build toward the future with Zizic in that uh, Brooklyn pick. So let's say Isaiah Thomas stays healthy. And I really hope he does. I hope Isaiah Thomas comes out next season and he's great. I hope he uh, does not have an injury plague career from this point on. I hope he's that dynamic scorer who loves the game of basketball. He's so fun to watch. I hope that continues and I hope he finds success in whatever basketball team he plays for next season and beyond that. And I hope he gets his, uh, his max deal. I think Isaiah Thomas is good for the NBA. I really do. You know, he is a very charitable guy. He is known in, uh, the Tacoma and Boston areas as somebody who really donates his time, especially to young people. So he's done a lot off the court and he sacrificed so much on the court, you know, playing after the death of his sister and getting his teeth knocked out, playing through a hip injury and all of those things. Uh, Isaiah Thomas is just a, a beloved basketball player. The being five foot nine kind of adds to it as well. You know, it's somebody the kids kind of can relate to, I guess. They like that. Um, and it, it makes him very easy to cheer for because of his past dedication and because of that chip on his shoulder and because, you know, he's at a dis disadvantage or whatever or people have kind of, I guess, maybe counted him out or whatever. Uh, he's somebody that you really got to root for. I certainly do. But if he is healthy, he's going to give... Cleveland another consistent scoring option because that's what he did for the Celtics last year he provided consistent offense and he took over stretches of games at time and he scored points and bunches and just picture if you are Cleveland and your second scoring option is Isaiah Thomas what a second scoring option that is I mean he can attack the basket and he's just like elite finishing at the rim at five foot nine among the trees it's just absolutely unbelievable and then, you know, to go to the free throw line as much as he does and hit about 90% of his free throws, that only adds to his value and what he can bring uh, to your basketball team. The Cavaliers, though, they play a much different style of offense, so it's going to be interesting watching both these two teams adjust to their new styles. Uh, Isaiah, Isaiah was assisted on 43% of his buckets last season. Irving only on 30%. So Irving ran twice as many isolation plays. So LeBron would be going, or excuse me, Isaiah would be going to a place that led the league in isolations and was 26th in passes per possession. His previous team, the Celtics, the exact opposite, 28th in isolations, second in passes per possession. And if he was going to be LeBron James's teammate, he would obviously have to adjust to that. He would have to spend more time playing off the ball. And he actually took 102 more catch-and-shoot jumpers than Irving did last year, and that was because of the Celtics passing the ball so much. The most effective catch-and-shoot guy was Kyrie last season, though. His effective field goal percentage catch-and-shoot last season was 70%. Uh, one of the most effective catch-and-shoot guys in the league uh, in the regular season and in the playoffs. And then you've got uh, Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder, who are both solid catch-and-shoot guys, but they're not quite as good as Kyrie in the catch-and-shoot, although Isaiah was a slightly more effective shooter overall last season. That was because of his attacking the basket and taking so many shots in that restricted area and being such an elite finisher. 
uh, his, his 79% of his shots were in the restricted area or three-point range. So those two things combined accounted for 79% of his shots compared to just, you know, only 60% of uh, Kyrie Irving shots coming from the restricted area or three-point range. Kyrie is just like, he takes a lot of shots in the mid-range. 28% of his shots came from there compared to just 11% from Isaiah. So you could be getting a different style of basketball player with Kyrie Irving compared to uh, Isaiah Thomas. Uh, but uh, the free throw shooting, I said Isaiah, about 90% free throw shooter. Um, he took twice as many free throws as Kyrie Irving last year because he attacks the basketball basket so much. But, you know, Kyrie at the free throw line is very good. Also about a 90% uh, free throw shooter. And the clutchness, both, uh, both clutch players, Isaiah Thomas, king in the fourth, led the NBA in fourth quarter scoring last year. Kyrie has just knocked down so many big shots, including in the playoffs. And over Kyrie's last six seasons, he has the highest effective field goal percentage in the league with the score within three points in the final minute of the game. And that's like the most high-pressure possible situation, three points in the final minute. Overall, Kyrie is uh, probably a better option for the Celtics. He's a few years younger, uh, 25 years old, compared to uh, Isaiah being 28 years old. Uh, Isaiah also with the hip injury and uh, more size in the backcourt with uh, the six foot three Kyrie Irving. Jay Crowder, there's a solid player for you. Jay Crowder had a really good year last year. I think it was overshadowed by his terrible shooting in the playoffs, though, which is really unfortunate because he had career highs in field goal percentage and three-point percentage last year. So he's somebody who can stretch the floor for you because he can play the four. And he's a really strong, physical guy with a really strong frame. And... He's a good defender. He would help the Cavs out on defense. You know, he would give you the versatility and the the physicality and the ability to play defense off the bench. So that's extremely big if you're Cleveland. And just think about this, though. The Celtics are losing one of their best LeBron defenders. Marcus Morris is supposed to be good at playing LeBron, but if they had both of them, that would be even sweeter. Because Crowder is uh, plays well on LeBron in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. LeBron with Crowder on him, his effective field goal percentage was 50%. And that was down from his effective field goal percentage of 67.8% in general in that uh, Eastern Conference final. Crowder also expected a start at the four for the Celtics and play a ton at the four because the Celtics lacked bigs one less power forward combined with those rebounding issues. And it's not like Crowder was a fantastic rebounder, but he was one of their top five rebounders last year, and four of those guys are gone. Avery Bradley, Olenek, Amir Johnson, and then Jay Crowder. But the Celtics should be, I don't know. See, I was assuming... Before this Kyrie Irving thing, by the way, I, I liked the Celtics before this Kyrie Irving deal. They just had so much athleticism and size and length and skill on offense. I, I liked it before the deal, the team, quite a bit. 
but apparently I was unaware of how serious the Isaiah, uh, the, uh, Isaiah Thomas hip injury was. But one of the things that I liked about the team before uh, this Kyrie deal was the wings being versatile with the size and length. I thought that would help their rebounding as a team. And also Aaron Baines coming in off the bench, maybe giving you uh, like 15 minutes or whatever, a guy with a good rebounding percentage. So I thought overall their rebounding got better and they were 27th in rebounding percentage last season. So that's bad. I assume that would improve with the additions that they made. And now it's like they take a step backwards with losing Jay Crowder and even with Ante Zizic. There's no telling how many minutes he would have given you off the bench, but he would have been an option to give you, you know, a seven-footer who's a traditional big who's known for his rebounding. But he is gone in this uh, in this trade. Uh, the thing with Zizic for me is he's so raw, and his leaping ability is so like hilariously bad. And because he wasn't considered to be somebody who would come in immediately and have a major role, he's somebody who would have to build up to that. Because of those things, I guess I'm okay with Zizic not being a part of this thing. Only the Celtics need to do something to address this rebounding situation. Um, I guess leading up to discussion about all the guys who are gone, I'll start with Danny Ainge and how he likes to break the hearts of Celtics fans because... He was willing to trade Paul and KG to get those Brooklyn picks. They traded Isaiah Thomas, which was just completely devastating. I mean, it really upset a lot of fans because people had fallen in love with him for so many reasons. You know, some people saw the trade and their uh, immediate reaction was, well, Kyrie is a better player and the Celtics may be trading away uh, some other assets here, but it's those types of elite players that win you championships. And he is certainly a guy that has been in that spot before. A lot of people pointing toward his uh, finals championship and his his uh, playoff experience. And that's huge. You know, you could say, well, it, you know, if Isaiah Thomas was teammates with LeBron James in the Eastern Conference, he would have that experience too. But the bottom line is, Isaiah wasn't with LeBron. He didn't have that experience. Kyrie Irving, uh, he had that experience. Um, so as far as Danny Ainge, being okay with trading guys, uh, both Bird and McHale, there were trades on the table, offers on the table for those guys before they're retired, and they just got old and retired in Boston with nothing in return, nothing to show for it other than lots of great memories. Uh, Danny Ainge told the Globe a few years ago that there was an offer on the table for Kevin McHale, Sam Perkins, and Detlef Shrimp for Kevin McHale. Also an offer on the bird table, Chuck Person, Steve Stepanovich, and Herb Williams for Larry Bird. Uh, but those things didn't happen. They got old and retired in Boston. Danny Ainge said, hey, if that was my decision, you know, it would have been like so long, guys. Thanks for everything. But uh, that's a done deal. And we're just trying to keep ourselves competitive for many years. So we're looking towards the future. And Danny Ainge has been so good at looking towards the future. And he's done such a great job over the last four seasons of making the team competitive, fun to watch, 
you know, a reason for Celtics fans to watch on TV and show up to the games and also a reason for free agents to want to come to Boston just to see uh, to see those players, you know, uh, probably overperform their abilities and to see them play as hard as they do and to see an attractive possible teammate in Isaiah Thomas. You know, he made the Celtics competitive now and attractive for free agents while at the same time maintaining future cap flexibility, allowing them to pounce you know, on Al Horford, on Gordon Hayward. But as far as this roster turnover goes, before the trade, the Celtics were already very different. They already had a lot lot of roster turnover before this trade. Um, you know, Jonas Jerebko, Amir Johnson, Kelly Olynyk, all those guys left in free agency. Also gone was Gerald Green, Demetrius Jackson, Jordan Mickey, James Young, Tyler Zeller. So, like, the back end of your roster, all that depth at the back end of your roster, those guys are all gone and been replaced with other young players who probably seem a little more prom or they seem a lot more promising. You know, a lot more promising than uh, Jordan Mickey, Demetrius Jackson, James Young would be somebody like Shemi Ojale, Gershon Yabusele. But they lose so many guys. And, and before the Irving trade, they had already lost a ton because they had lost uh, Avery Bradley, who was another one of those guys that fans hated to see go. But uh, Danny Ainge, no fear of getting rid of a beloved Celtic for the um, betterment of the Celtics' future. So remaining, you've basically got Horford, not basically, but these are the only four remaining. Horford Smart. Terry Rozier, Jalen Brown. And Brad Stevens recently at the Basketball Hall of Fame said, it's going to be a lot of people having to embrace roles quickly because we're going to have to get to know each other quickly. And his ball handlers right now are Kyrie Irving, Marcus Smart, Terry Rozier, and Shane Larkin. His wings are Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown, Marcus Morris, Jason Tatum, Abdul Nader, and Shemi Ojale. And his bigs... And there's a lack of these guys. Al Horford, Aaron Baines, Daniel, Daniel Tice, Gershon, Yabusele. And your possible starting lineup. This is the most popular one I'll go with. Kyrie Irving, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, Marcus Morris, Al Horford. The only things you could say about that lineup would be that some people say Marcus Smart may start at the two instead of Jalen Brown. Smart being the guy with more experience, and at the very least, he's just he's a good ball handler and a great defender. So him possibly starting in that number two spot to begin the season, but Jalen Brown representing the future, some people feel like he may overtake Smart, maybe even early on. But I guess for now, we'll go with Irving, Brown, Hayward, Morris, and Horford. And then a possible slight tweak to that lineup if Brad Stevens wanted to go big for a game or for whatever, even if it's just the few first minutes of the game. Uh, he could go big with Aaron Baines at the five and Horford at the four, Hayward at the three, Brown at the two, Irving at the one. So this camp battle is something that people have been talking about uh, over the last couple of weeks. And, you know, just like the two seasons before this, they had 16 fully guaranteed contracts going into training camp. Now they're down to 14 because of that trade. So that's good news for the likes of Shane Larkin, Abdul Nader, uh, Daniel Tice, guys who maybe have been on the roster bubble. So 14 fully guaranteed contracts. That does not include 
Kadeem Allen, who signed a two-way contract. Jabari Bird, who has yet to do that, but he's likely to sign a two-way contract. Also doesn't include Daniel Dixon and Andrew White's two guys signed recently to partially guaranteed contracts, expected to play for the Red Claws. So this open roster spot, the Celtics can comb free agency or they can leave it open for roster flexibility. And now we get to the fun part. For me, one of the best parts about watching the Celtics over the last couple of years is watching guys develop and watching them play as hard as they do. But for other people, they enjoy talking about uh, roster reconstruction because it's been such a major part of the Celtics for the last few seasons. It's been a huge part of the Celtics. But we find ourselves at this point in the offseason looking at free agents, which is just great because I thought that that was done. <laughs> it's not. So we get to talk about another acquisition, assuming they do fill that 15th spot going into camp instead of waiting until some point during the season or whatever. But a guy that makes a lot of sense is Andrew Bogut because he's still a good rebounder and a good defender, and we know the Celtics need those things. 32 years old, though, and coming off a season in which he didn't play because he broke his leg in his first game with Cleveland. So 32 coming off a season in which he didn't play. He, by the way, could have signed with the Celtics. He did not, though. He signed with uh, the Cavs last season instead. So the Celtics were, um, based on those past discussions between Bogut, Ainge, and Stevens, they have a good relationship, I guess. And Bogut is currently interested in joining the Celtics, and he is expected to be healthy at the start of camp which I thought Isaiah Thomas was supposed to be in that same boat, but apparently not. Uh, Tony Allen, he turns 36 years old in January. Uh, 36 is very advanced or experienced. Maybe he would prefer me to say something like that. Uh, but 27 minutes per game last year for a guy who turns 36 in January, still a pesky defender, so he keeps on going, man. Uh, and he would bring some leadership to the team. And I guess it would be kind of fun uh, to have somebody back from that 2007-2008 title team. So he's got obviously playoff experience playing with Memphis and playing for a title contender in Boston. Or I should say uh, the title winner in 2007-2008. Uh, Gerald Green, his return is a possibility. He's a very good locker room guy. He's a great presence in the locker room, working with young players and stuff like that. Uh, also an offensive spark in the playoffs last year uh, versus the Bulls at the expense of Amir Johnson, him going to the bench, and then Gerald Green coming in and just really adding athleticism and the ability to stretch the floor, adding more shooting. He's certainly uh, more aggressive offensively than Amir Johnson, and he provided a spark versus the Bulls at a time where it was do or die for the Celtics being down 0-2. So there are some options there for the Celtics. And there are uh, negotiations to be had between the Celtics and the Cleveland Cavaliers. They are too far into this deal to back out of it now. That does not seem like an option, so it will happen. It just seems... Like, the only question is, how much more will the Celtics have to give up? What kind of asset do they have to give up? Do they have to give up uh, that pick from the Lakers and Kings? Or can they get away with uh, another draft pick, one of their own picks, or a clip that, pick that used to belong to the Clippers, or 
Um, maybe a player, certainly not Jason Tatum. Maybe somebody like Abdul Nader, possibly. is. Who knows? We'll have to uh, wait and see, but it kind of sounds like Kyrie is coming to Boston, and the more I think about it, the more I like it. You know, as surprised and disappointed as I was when it was initially announced because seeing Isaiah go and then to say Crowder too, and then to say a Brooklyn pick as well, look at all those assets, but Kyrie's the better player. You have a better chance of winning with elite talent, and you would have that with Kyrie Irving. So... Well, that's it for me. I will be back next weekend. We'll have more clarity, I'm sure, on what the Celtics are going to uh, look like next season. So I'll be back next week. Take her easy. Go Seize.